0: Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Media Network.
1: We hope it inspires the development, holistic development of people. You know, there are many studies that have talked about that music education and the performing arts, what it does for the development of a person, a whole holistic development. Also for mental health, the importance of art, music, expression. And we believe that accessibility to performing arts is essential. Everybody deserves it and should have it, especially young people. And they, the first things in schools that go away with poverty-stricken, underserved areas is the arts access or arts access. It's the first thing that goes away, and that should be never. That should be one of the most crucial things that always stays.
0: Welcome concertgoers and music fanatics. My name is Lance Singerman and in this Encore episode of Yesterday's Concert, Natalie Wilson, the Executive Director of Overton Park Shell in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee, talks live music and community development. Grab your earplugs as we join together with the band. So today we're here with Natalie Wilson, the Executive Director of the Overton Park Shell in Memphis. Uh, So Natalie, welcome to the show today. Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit about the venue itself, which hosts a full lineup of free concerts, but also the importance that music plays in building community. So before we get started, I have to make a disclaimer. The Shell is a hometown venue for me, and it's one of my absolute favorites in the world. Uh, So there's going to be a little bit of bias in this conversation, so just a heads up. Um, So, Natalie, before we get started, let's just do a quick round of Q&A just to kind of get started and uh, also just kind of establish some credibility. Uh, So first question, in your opinion, who's the biggest name to ever have played the Shell stage?
1: Oh my goodness, that is the hardest question. (laughs) We're about to showcase our 86 year exhibit that's going to be in our green rooms. And I even thought I knew all the pretty much the artists that had played the stage, and I have been blown away at the legacy and music that has played. From for eighty six years on this incredible stage, yeah. so from Elvis Presley's first live performance in nineteen fifty four to the the era of Johnny Cash and the big major rock concerts that happened on the stage, Black Sabbath, uh, you know even the emerging musician like ZZ Top, um, the twenty um, two year old Bonnie Raitt, some incredible musicians, and then looking at the legacy of blues, R and B. Um, soul music that has played the stage. So it is such an incredible uh, history that is I couldn't even touch it.
0: So how many free concerts do you think the Shell has hosted in its lifetime?
1: So we've um, hosted about six hundred and eighty-six free concerts since we became a nonprofit venue in twenty twenty in two thousand eight. Now. Before we were a nonprofit venue, there were years. The, the tradition of free uh, accessibility to performing arts from was from 1936 in September when we opened the shell with uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Romeo and Juliet, to today, there's been thousands upon thousands of free performances that have been here because the mission from day one was making accessible the, the performing arts, building community through free art forms, <laughs> theater, music, chamber music, concerts, anything that you can imagine using the stage as a catalyst.
0: So they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. How much does one free concert actually cost to put on?
1: Right. So at, on average, it's around $15,000 to create the magic of our free concert. Now, that's at, it, it fluctuates based on the music, based on the crowd, based on the security needs. It changes. Every concert's different, but it, on average. So when people say, oh, free concerts, it must be free, free, free. The musicians don't um, pay. Everyone is, it's free. No, it is a gift. And the gift of free concerts is not guaranteed. It's based on the support of community members who invest in powering the performances of the shell and making the shell accessible to community members. But it's a beautiful gift. And I'm just honored, like you would say, and I'm a fan myself and I work here. And I just say um, it's so few places across the country do what we do. Very few. And uh, so Memphis, is. we're really
0: fortunate. Yeah. So what was your first free, con- or not just free, what was your first concert at the show? Do you remember?
1: Oh, I can't even remember, but I'll tell you one of my favorites. And it okay, poured, that'll work. It poured rain, and that was Black Violin. I remember sitting there on that lawn watching them and just transfixed by them. And I remember thinking... This is something that not only being able to fortunate enough to watch them perform for free, but I knew this is something that is just magic and that the city of Memphis and the region is able to have every year. And I was just one of those fans on the lawn before I come into work at the Shell. I would sit there and think this is the most amazing place I've ever been. I would sit there thinking we're so I mean, and here in the urban core is this little jewel that sits there in bright lights with beautiful lights and sound. Beautiful sound, right nestled in a park, and I think how how neat is that? Something very very special.
0: Okay, so Las Vegas style residency. What artist would you want to book to play the Leavitt, to play the Overton Park shell?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, you know one of the things I like is that it's no no concert is the same. You know, we really do. We have a series and every genre is displayed at the Over to Part Shell. We're real conscious of it. Curating the music is truly intentional. It's not just, oh, well, we like this band. Let's just throw a band on. It's really something that showcases bringing every community member together. Number one, that the shell is everyone's stage. It's for all people. And the, the music, the art form, that whatever is presented is all is very diverse in every genre. So I couldn't even tell you the thing about a Las Vegas style concert series is that it's one, right? Where at the Overton Park Shell is about every genre and in every in a, in a series of unique. Every weekend is going to be every night's different. You're never going to see the same.
0: So can I tell you, I thought about this question. I put some serious thoughts and I came up with an artist and I, yeah, I thought of North what? Mississippi All Stars.
1: Oh, I, I have to say that's when we we see them as one of our house bands. yeah
0: we Well, and that's they play a fairly different show show to show, that's and so true. they could. I think they could do it. I think they could fill the void of that of that residency.
1: Like, well, and if you look at the history of North Mississippi All Stars, look at the 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 Dickinson, look at the 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 family member, the tradition of that band and their families that have been have a legacy on the stage. I think that was a good choice.
0: There we go. Okay, so last one. There's no limitations. It can be past, present or future. You can book any artist, dream artist to play on the show. Who do you pick?
1: Oh, gosh, you are. This is hard.
0: I I know. Getting you warmed up. I
1: know. Well, you know, I would love to see, um, you know, I love to bring in emerging music but there are some emerging musicians that are coming out of the pandemic the pandemic that I want to truly come in nationally and um, internationally to the to the stage um, there is a um, an artist that played us before but I'm watching just him soar sure, devin defiliat and love devin. Devin's work is magic and i'm watching him change and grow and i'm like truly passionate he's an example of an artist that, you know, we played them, but we'll never, his, his, his future is, is so bright. And I just feel like we were able to bring him in in 2018 and 19, but now today he's a totally different artist. So that's an example of watching emerging musicians change, evolve, grow. And I think we're at a stage for that.
0: Yeah, no, that's the, it's funny you mentioned him. He was one of my absolute favorites that I've seen at the show. I've oh seen good. all of his shows. Yeah. The, so I, was, I was so excited for that 2018 show. And then it rained and y'all right? pivoted to Minglewood Hall like at the last minute. And I just remember that it was not a big showing that night. It, I was kind of disappointed in Memphis, but like it was one of the best shows I've seen. I mean, he was phenomenal and he's gotten better every time I've seen him since then.
1: Yeah. He's just something special. And, uh, you know, I, I think in his humility, as he talks about, you know, he's such a, a beautiful singer songwriter, you know, not the thing I think of that's really great about the shell is that we, we display um, uh, original music. So it's not just that we, you know, we covers so and not that that isn't a place for that at all, but we really are a stage for singer songwriters and original music to be displayed. they their, their spoken word, their voice, their heart, um, their opinion. I mean, it that is what we're about, is that expression through the arts.
0: Okay, so you did great. You made it through the quick round, So now we'll get into the conversation. So okay. just to start, let's get a little history of the shell. Tell me a little bit about how it got started, where it's come. It's gone through a lot of tribulations in its time. So give me a little history of what's going on with it.
1: I always tell the story of it and it was uh, September 12, 1936 um, that Mayor Overton, the mayor of Memphis, stood on the Overton Park shell stage and said, "I pledge this stage to the future of Memphis music." And nine, he saw that right a minute the opening in the grand it was in the Great Depression that this stage opened. And the pain, the discourse, the uncertainty against the government, which is why Roosevelt threw these venues across the country together because they saw he saw a need to bring people together through the arts, Right. And making it accessible. So we are one of uh, 36 um, states, 36 cities that got thirteen thousand dollars to build these shells, all the same architect. So we opened and the trajectory soared immediately of interest in coming to the Overton Park shell. At that time it was called the orchestra shell. And so it had pretty, it had other names. There was the Memphis open air theater that was inside the orchestra shell. And that was a theater. And again, we started in theater. We did We started in musicals, chamber music, theater um, uh, choirs. It wasn't for amplified music. It was built to amplify. To throw music up the hill, and it had benches all on the lawn. And um, over many many years, from um, it just evolved, it evolved just like musicians evolve, It evolved as a venue, and it was um, many. It was one of the, like you said, hard, heady times. Major musicians played. I remember the story: Elvis opened for um, Slim Whitman in 1954. He was uh, 19 years old. He was terrified. He got on the stage and forgot his music. And stood up there and, and he was just drumming and he said, uh, hello, my name is Elvis Presley. And his parents were out there on the lawn and he started to gyrate because he just really forgot his music. He didn't know what he was doing. And historians say that was his first. That's how his whole stage presence started. women went nuts for him, crazy. And Slim Whitman said, I'll never let that Elvis Presley open for me again. You know, and so looking at the trajectory of major, major recording um, music from across um, the world have played the stage. One of the things that I love is that touring, you know, national touring artists have a place, but also international touring artists that we really do bring us bring people from all over the world to perform. And with that comes people from all over the country travel in to come to the Overton Park Shell, but also locals, you know, as we were built for our local community. So I really think the history of um, getting through many years and then the history of that they were going to put the interstate through the shell. And one local, I love to tell the story of Thomas Box in 1971. He was determined that the this interstate was not going to go through Overton Park and right through the Overton Park shell. So he chained himself to the stage 24 hours instead, and said and display that he this stage was going to stay, that no one was going to take down this beautiful stage. That was a vision. He saw that it was too integral. It was a crown jewel and the city needed it and it didn't need to go away and this beautiful 342 acre park needed to be preserved. And so it's a huge story of R- Memphians rallying around the place through the '80s, and then there were many years that we sat here really dark. Um, it was dilapidated. There were thoughts of turning it into a parking lot. Hence, hit the John Mayer's the song. And so, um, there was a, a great family in LA, the Levitt family who came into the city and said to Mayor Harrington at the time, "Uh, we would like to give you a million dollars for renovation of that shell, because we really believe that it's important. So that, that first million dollar investment we changed the name, became a nonprofit, and became the Levitt Shell. And the Levitt era was a wonderful 17-year partnership with the Levitt Foundation in L.A. We were so grateful to create a brand with them and be one of their eight venues across the country. But you come through the world pandemic that we went through, and the world changed. We changed as an organization, too. And we had to look at sustainability. How do we ensure that not only we can create a mission and keep free concerts, make it the shell accessible, but number two, we're a a public private partnership with the city of Memphis. As the nonprofit, we're responsible for the renovation and preservation of the shell. So we got to keep it the maintenance and care of the shell. So there's two things, a world-class performing arts venue that we've got to take care of that's 86 years old and a lot of renovation, as well as a mission of building community through music. So there's two things at play. And so the shell has evolved. So now as we we went through our 85th birthday last year, and we as a board, after many years of discernment uh, through the pandemic, especially said, let's go back to our historic name that speaks to who we were created to be. And thanks to the Levitt Foundation, their legacy will always be with us. But we won't be in a network of venues. We'll be independent, locally supported as the Overton Park Shell.
0: Well, that's, you know, it's interesting, too. You know, I think about you talking about the past so much, but you're also talking about the future. You know, how much of what you do do you think is honoring music history as playing an archivist in a way to preserving this venue that has hosted Elvis and Black Sabbath and all these bands? I mean, how much does that play into what y'all do?
1: Well, that's a great question. So with the change of name this year, we are unveiling next month, which is called the Connie Abston Archival and History Exhibit, which is an 86-year... Guided tour of our history, of our in our green rooms. People can come through and get in a 30 to 45 minute history of wow, not only what we do, what we know here, but what coming through and seeing the history of what we've done. So um, we're, we're excited to unveil the exhibit. It will be open for public tours. There will be a public tour every Wednesday at 2 p.m. where you can show up. It's $15 a person, and all the buddy goes to care for the shell and renovation, but also storytelling, telling our story yeah. for people to understand how important this place is.
0: Yeah, no, that's something that's something I talk about a lot on this podcast is I love to hear people tell me concert stories. I mean, that's why I started a concert podcast. I mean, I met somebody the other day who saw the Beatles in 1966 when they played in Memphis, and I just sat there googly-eyed for an hour like, dude, tell me more, keep talking about this. So, I mean, I think that's important for especially music fans to see and hear these stories Uh, So I think that's an incredible thing that y'all are doing.
1: To see what we have installed, it is we spent three years of talking to music lovers across the country saying would you donate this piece to us we know you have this you have this playbill you have this poster oh you have these pictures and it took us three years to find it all and tell that tells our our total story but i've been looking at it and thinking i had no idea i had no idea most people have no idea i was talking to joyce cobb local legend and i was talking to her about how she came to memphis when she came to memphis and the shell was one of her first places to perform and she said natalie she said you can't understand what it means to play that stage. She said, I'm she said I'm um, she, she I can't remember how she said it. she said, but I'm an old girl. She said, but I think about how I felt as a as a early in my early 20s coming to Memphis, Tennessee and standing on that stage that such history of musicians have played before me. And I felt she said it was a deep honor even then. And she said it is today. In my end of my, you know, at my, my, I'm still performing, but every time I step on the stage, I feel that it's a, it's a heady nostalgia around what the history of the stage and what has performed and who have walked back in these green rooms and on the stage. So um, we're excited to tell the story and the yeah. exhibit is opening in June.
0: I mean, even today, continuing the concert, I mean, now y'all are doing free concerts for Memphis and surrounding areas and people to come visit. You know the idea, the word "free" really stands out there. You know that, in my opinion, the word "free" has a sense of lowered expectation in a way, especially when it comes to live music. You think you know it's going to be Little Billy's bar band or whoever playing, but that's not really or the that, case with you,
1: or the musician just plays for free. Oh well, they're just yeah. deceiving. The, we really, truly, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what a story of change we in the lens of our rebrand is that this is not guaranteed. What we do is we play we play industry standard at a high level to our performers, to our production team, to our everything is at a highest level standard because not only are we to present make accessible the arts, but we also are to curate and care for our music the music scene it's that we feel a responsibility to take care of musicians. this is their livelihood, this is their business. If we do not as a venue take that super seriously, then how can we continue to make the arts and accessibility to community members through music and, you know, all types of art. So yeah. we believe that it's important. It's, it's, it's just as important as the mission we give. It's how we care for those who grace our
0: stage. Well, that's actually one of, one of my comments was I've heard multiple, multiple musicians from the stage talk about how well they've been treated. I mean, they make it a point to say that from the stage, I mean, I think y'all even provide them food and catering backstage and things like that. Yeah. You know, And the several local musicians, I know, they always complain, we're not getting paid. They're only offering exposure. And, you know, I think that separates y'all, especially when you're not, these concerts are free for the most part. There's only a couple that are paid every year. You know, that's a big deal for a venue, especially when you're bringing in bands like Devin Gafilian, The Dip, Bodine's. I mean, these are not you know, not household names, but they're emerging artists that are really starting to come out, you know, making a name for themselves.
1: Totally. You know, we brought, um, in 2019, we brought Yola to the stage from the Great Britain. And I remember sitting her, at that first time seeing her and said, she was just, it was something so incredible about her. So brilliant. And now we brought her in for a ticketed show last year, but she now tours with um, Chris Stapleton. And you know, she will we'll never be able to bring, I mean, she again, was an emer, one of those stories of emerging music, brilliance in music, knowing that they get their start on the stage, but their their, their their history and their future is just source. And we are grateful to be that first step and really come, expo, give that exposure, but take care of them, pay them at a high level, welcome them, help them feel that they are truly, they're, they're an honor for us to bring them to our stage.
0: No, that's I saw her open for Casey Musgraves and then I found out she she played the shell and said, Are you kidding me? I missed that when I saw her play this arena like a couple of years later, like it's unreal.
1: Oh, and I, I just um we have, one of the things that people don't realize is that like you asked the question how much does it cost to make one of our free concerts most mm-hmm. of what we do is free. We do this with the new business model we're creating around sustainability for the shell we will have our free concert series, we will have our ticketed shows, our shell Show yeah benefit concerts. Um our presenting sponsor of the shell is Nexair. It's the Overton Park Shell presented by Nexair, And so they also are part um, ne- they also own a mempho music festival so memfo will be a partner we'll have some mempho presents concerts at the shell and then we open the shell to more rental events and more community events that maybe we don't program but then brings everybody together and we're honored to do that how fun is it to say oh i got married at the shell oh, oh i brought my my favorite nonprofit is having its event there and i got to go to the shell you know the shell is a public gathering space first our core, we do that through music. The music is our core, but we do it through all iterations of engagement. And that's community investment that we provide back.
0: Well, and that's something that I wanted to spend a decent amount of time talking about is just the community development that happens at the show. It's not, I'll let you talk about this a little more, but like each show, you have a different like community team organization, something there representing. And that you can go and talk to. I remember the library's been there multiple times, just different. Can you talk a little bit about that? I don't want to take all the words out of your mouth. Can you tell us about that? We
1: have um, we have probably fifty different community partners, nonprofits, arts organizations, um, thing, volunteer organizations. That are we we bring to the shell to give them a place, just like we give a place to musicians and to perform artists to perform and be showcased. We also do that with community partnerships. So it's like the shell can be bringing art, all types of art forms, from creative arts to visual arts, but also thinking about nonprofits like um, you know church health or um, you know. Um, Dorothy Dayhouse, all these incredible nonprofits of our city that are doing beautiful, wonderful, impactful work. And we can bring them in to have to talk, tell their stories, talk about their mission and engage them with our community members that will be their families. So that's a that's a part that's something very important to us is that the community engagement is we're a community aggregator. And what does a community aggregator mean? That means that we reinvent the way that we build community, how people all feel a place, how feel people, that, that community, that visitor experience has to be at a dynamic high level. And that when people come, they feel like they are our number one priority, everybody, every child, every person that enters that venue. And that we want to open people's eyes to the world that we live in, our community, the needs in our community, the work in our community, the ways to get involved to support our community, not just come into the shell, but through partnerships. So we really are passionate about it, and we're passionate about um, number one is equity. And the shell is, we're looking at that in a deep level to say, when somebody comes, a differently abled individual comes to the shell, let's say someone that is deaf, what is their concert experience? So we're looking, we have a new partnership with Deaf Connect where we'll have interpreted, um, many of our concerts will have live interpreters from the stage. Um, we are the own, we're one. We were the first certified um, inclusive venues in the West Tennessee with Culture City. So people who are autistic or have post traumatic stress disorder have a concert experience that's safe. That you know that they feel comfortable. We have all the tools, lap bands, um, go, um, ear pieces that people who need special um, a special experience we can provide that at the show. So I think that we even more are looking at our mission to say, are we completely meeting our mission of building community, finding common ground in a diverse audience? So does all community members have a place? Number one, are we meeting people where they are, going to people, building relationships, and thinking in a lens of equity? And um, we this year have launched what's called Shell on Wheels, which is we will be taking our mission into communities who are underserved, building community where people are and that might be their only shell experience wherever in their community from our historic stage to their backyard. That's okay. Cause that's living our mission. That's what equity is about.
0: No, I think, I think that's cool because, you know, I was watching a, a, a ZZ top documentary and they were talking about when they played the shell, it was at a blues festival and they were still a very much an emerging artist out of Texas. And they, you know, it was largely African-American artists performing on the stage and they were about the only white band. Yeah. playing, and they were talking about, you know, it wasn't black, it wasn't white, it was the blues. Blues
1: festivals, 1960, exactly. 1965, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and so I think that's one of the things that the show has stood for over the years, is that it's not black or white, it is the blues, you know, even beyond that today, with all of the international acts, and to me, that's, that's going beyond just the community development, because, you know, I was reading an article the other day, talking about when you find out someone likes the same song as you, You view them more favorably if you just meet them or conversationally and stuff like that. So I think bringing people together for these kind of these concerts and things like that, you're bringing people together beyond just the concert and the event because you're finding people in connection.
1: Right. I totally agree. Yeah. And making um, every community members, we're all different. Right. But I think there's nothing that equalizes us like music and food. Yes. Nothing. And I think, um, you know, in the civil rights movement in 1960 to 65, This Shell was having these historic country blues festivals and people would come from all over the community, all over not just the city, but regionally to see these Mississippi blues artists perform. Historians say that the whole genre of country blues was created through those festivals here at the Shell and everybody came together. And they were blacks, whites. Everyone was just enthralled with these musicians playing the open part shell. You know, you're exactly right. It was not about color. It was about it was about music. It was about we have a we have a shared space. We have a shared an interest, and that's the power of music.
0: No, and I think that's interesting too because I mean, I'm not from Memphis. I, I'm, a, I'm a Memphis transplant. I was not born here. You know, one of the things that that's gotten me is. You know, when we first attended the Shell, it was one of the moments that I bought into the city of Memphis. It's when I, to quote a popular phrase right here, chose 901. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a big deal with this, the Shell, is that, you know, the the power of music is bringing people together. I think you're you're seeing people come together over a shared artist, and you're not, like you were saying earlier, you're featuring multiple genres during the, the season each year, thing that everybody can get to and participate in.
1: No, exactly. I think that... Um, Just, you know, I I hear people tell me all the time, I don't even look at the schedule, I just show up, I know I may not know that genre I know know that music, but it'll be high quality musicians, it will be something that I will appreciate that I know was curated to give me a, a perspective around what the art of music is about. And I hear that every day. People are like, I don't, I just come because I want to see my shell friends. A lot of people come to the shell. I'm like, I have people that I are my friends, I only see during the shell, during the shell. I do not see them any other time, but we come together because of the shell brings us together. And we sit together and we we get we build a relationship, our children are growing up together, and it's something that is a memory we'll never forget. So when the pandemic hit and we were 19 months without music, we were we heard every day people saying, "I feel like a hole in my heart without the shell." It's like I forget what it meant because I didn't. I I, I sort of took it for granted that the shell was going to be there every year, every weekend. I'll just show up and the shell's not there, and I feel like I'm lost without the shell. And I think that was the story of learning that the shell is not the shell is not guaranteed. We have to take care of it. As Memphians, all of us, we have to invest. Every piece of investment is important. Every dollar is important. Every volunteer hour is important. And so that's a story of important community investment in these these treasured spaces.
0: No, I completely agree with that. Because as a Memphian, not being able to go to the shelter in the summer and on the weekends, I felt less involved in the community. I felt like I was less aware of what was happening. And it's such a strange thing. You know, because I even think about, too, like people may view it as live entertainment on the weekend. But really, I mean, you're exposing people to international artists. You're exposing them. Like you said, they don't they don't look at the schedule. They just show up and they're being exposed to art that they may have otherwise neglected to become involved in.
1: One of the things that we we launched last year was looking at Memphis music as the core. Say, while we bring in national, international, regional touring artists, Memphis music is our number one importance. So making the stage more accessible to Memphis music from all across the city, from urban areas, from, you know, area, all different types of musicians, even, you know, student musicians that are just learning and, and they're learning their craft. And so we're really working on accessibility to more Memphis music. So we with new partnerships such as the Memphis Black Arts Alliance, where we bring people of color, musicians of color with our pre-show series that come in all in the fall time to partnerships such as Dream Fest, which is a three day music emerging uh, music showcase of Memphis musicians that come. Um, and it has been it's, it. This is its 11th year. Last year was the 10th year being at the shell. And that's an important story of uh, many of those musicians even said. It was such a dream to play the show, and hearing that to say, "Well, then you should play." It shouldn't just be a dream. You have a place; it's your your stage. First, we, as citizens of Memphis, so making it more accessible.
0: Yeah, no, that's and it's interesting too. I was having a conversation with a musician just last week about scenes are dying in a lot of ways. You don't see scenes like you used to, and that may be because of the internet or whatever it is. And I was telling him, you know, Memphis has this huge musical heritage and, you know, we're known for the blues and soul and these things like that. I said, but now, you know, it feels like it's just pandering in a lot of ways. If you step into a bar, it's pandering blues. It's not anything new. It's not any. uh, And so that was one of the things, you know, I'm finding out about this is that y'all are working to create a scene in Memphis, a music scene that is unique to us that will eventually spread out and begin touring and seeing parts of the world.
1: Right. Exactly. Something too is for our first uh, first years, we were family friendly venue, but one of the things in the lens of inclusivity for our community is that realizing that not every family is the same, right? So while you know, some people's family, what is considered family friendly may look like this, but some might be this, how do we ensure every family feels comfortable? And so we're really evolving to become more community centric. And that means is that some musician, it's it's gonna be music, it's gonna be artist expression. And some concerts are gonna be more more at a higher level for adults that might, you know, be a, a safer experience in some things, Child, more children, maybe families would feel more comfortable. We're gonna have disclaimer on some of the music to say, you know, you know, under you know, parent discretion is advised. We are here to be a community safe space and for everybody.
0: It's funny you said that because there was one artist, I won't name them. I saw them at the Shell. It was was fine. There was no profanity. It was clean. It was fine. I saw them like six months later performing in Memphis at another venue. It was a completely, entirely different act. There was a lot of profanity, a lot more suggestive things being thrown about. It was a different thing. But that's, I say that, but that's one thing that I, I appreciate is, you know, it is a family atmosphere. Despite the fact that you're allowed to bring your own cooler, it is still very much a family atmosphere there.
1: It is. It is. But also when when we think about that, some family, when I say some, some families tend to be, this is what their family tradition looks like. And some families are like, no, maybe it's this. So we have to think about every family has a place and maybe some families you know, more wholesome would be best for my, and some maybe it's like, no, I'm a little bit more edgy. I want more expression. So we're going to be looking at that deeply in our mission, really meeting our mission, meeting every community member.
0: I mean, even talking about family, something that I've seen happen multiple times, and it's really inspiring to me, is I've seen teenagers and young children staring at the stage. I mean, just absolutely mystified by the artist. And I can't help but hope that they have been inspired to learn an instrument or write a song And that's, I mean, and that's to me, that's one of the more impressive things about it is because these kids are being exposed to this art for free. That's, I mean, that speaking about community and development, that's huge. I mean, you're pouring art into these children for free when a lot of art programs are being taken away.
1: Oh, exactly. We hope it inspires the development, holistic development of people. You know, there are many studies that have talked about that music education and the performing arts, what it does for the development of a person, a whole holistic development. Also for mental health, um, mental health care, the importance of art, music, expression. And so we know that while some, during this pandemic, there was a lot of hot topics that's essential, essential. We believe in the shell is essential. We believe our mission is essential, and we believe that accessibility to performing arts is essential. Everybody deserves it and should have it, especially young people, children. Mm -hmm. And the first things in schools that go away with poverty-stricken, underserved areas is the arts access. access. It's the first thing that goes away. And that should be never, that should be one of the most crucial things that always stays. You see that every day. And we believe with the lens of where we're going to be with Shell on Wheels, we want to make it the Shell for community members all through the city to have this, this place that we find that sits in our urban core right here in in um, Midtown, but we want it to be all over and serve everywhere through our community.
0: Yeah, you know, something I was thinking about the other day is recorded music is a fairly it's relatively new in the grand scope of life and humans. You know, at our core, enjoying music was primarily a group activity up until the last century, half century and a half. You know, yeah. at our core, joining together for live music is a primitive thing to do together. And it, it, it satisfies something. And talking about the pandemic, that was taken away from us. And now, I mean, you're this is a big deal to be able to get together and enjoy live music together.
1: Totally agree. We never can take advantage of it again. We can't take it for granted. We have to know that what we have is special, that it's that we we have to we never know what the world is what's gonna happen in the world. So We have to work toward ensuring these places don't become extinct. Places like the Shell, many years of, will we make it. And now I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you, some of our nonprofit years have been very hard. We've had some hard economic times. The sustainability of making free concerts is very difficult to do what we do. It's very high level. We do the best of the best because Memphis deserves it. Our community members deserve it. But we the sustainability of that, it it requires a lot of intentionality and support. So it's from sponsors, from donors, from grantors. Um, When we pass that little bucket. Here's a history story for you. In 1936, the first performance, they had a basket and they passed the hat the very first performance, because that was a story of community investment back into the accessibility, even in 1930s. So we still that tradition of passing the bucket, passing the hat is saying community members, every dollar, every penny. I love it when a child comes up with their pennies and drops it in the bucket, because that is beautiful. Their investment is just as important as someone who can give us $100. You know, it's, Every dollar makes a difference, and every piece of investment backing to the shell ensures that we can stand.
0: That's great. Well, Natalie, as we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to plug, anything you'd like to throw out for people to know?
1: So we're about to open the um, the first season back at the Overton Park Shell on May 29th in partnership with the um, Memphis Symphony Orchestra. The historic Sunset Symphony has returned to the Overton Park Shell. We started last year, and this year it comes back partnership with the Memphis Symphony Orchestra and the Memphis Black Arts Alliance and it is something special. You know, it was so many years during Memphis in May downtown on the river and we were so honored to bring it back as a really a historic event but our historic stage. So, that's May 29th, we'll have summer concerts from Thursday through Saturday nights and then we have a couple of show yeah, ticketed benefit concerts that power our free concerts, Duran Jones and the Indications, which will be um, June 16th, and St. Paul and Broken Bones which will be July 16th. And then the fall season will start in September on um, Labor Day weekend on Friday and Saturday nights.
0: Well, Natalie, thank you so much for your time. I love talking about the, this venue that I love so much and treasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank
1: today. you for your support.
0: I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for tuning in to another show. Sources and more information on today's show are available on our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. While you're there, check out some old episodes, or connect with us on Twitter, at ConcertPod, or on Instagram, at Yesterday's Concert. And until next time, take care of your shoes.